Hello and welcome to the World Fellows podcast. My name is Emma Skye and I'm director of the World Fellows program at Yale. My guest today is Umur Kula Chapa, who is a creative strategist from Turkey. Umur, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So Umur, you have done many different things in your career and you're passionate about channeling creativity to improve our world. Where does your passion come from? <laughs> I think yeah, the answer to all of these questions are like, you know, it comes from my childhood, but actually true. So <laughs> let me start from there without making it longer than it should be. I, I have actually always seen myself as a problem solver, fixer of things. I, I love to find that solution that works for everyone. That makes me feel like a hero. So who saves the day, makes everyone happy and things work and we move on. So in my view, creativity is all about problem, problem solving anyway. So I did not turn out to be an artist, even though, of course, there are two are problem solvers, but in a more abstract sense, and also I'm not that talented artistically. So when it comes to art, actually, I'm, I'm only a great admirer and a critic, by the way, by education. I studied art theory in my master's degree in visual design, and I was trained to be an art critic, actually. Anyway, so I'm this practical version of a creative and less artistic, you know, uh, model, let's say, and I've always been. And this was um, widely appreciated in my family and also in, in my schools by my teachers. So this further and further became my skill, my kind of superpower. The better I got at it, the more passionate I became about it. And in years, especially in my early teenage years and university years, as my father calls it, when everyone is an anarchist, at least once in their lives, and that is during those teenage years, this became more and more about problems about my micro and macro social and political surroundings. So it was not only about just, you know, uh, solving a, a daily problem, but it was more about like founding a student organization or a bigger cause uh, for an urgency or a necessity. And this is what drove my passion further. I found out that creative solutions, once they are simplified, usable, and accessible, people easily were persuaded to follow and adapt them. I chose a creative path for a career, and uh, I, I, I wanted to make this passion my money-making passion as well, and I joined the advertising world. Of course, in the real world, it is kind of, uh, you know, not so possible to improve the world when you're actually in it, because it's very easy, and in no time, you become slightly part of the problem. So you start serving into the forces you've been most critical about. And actually this can, you know, uh, cause you to lose your path, your mission in life. That definitely happened to me, of course. But my creative journey, even though I had many ups and downs, uh, I managed to land where it felt good again, at the intersection of business and creativity, where I use design and brands to help change people's perceptions and behaviors for the good. Okay, well, tell us, about some of these initiatives that you've worked on? Sure. So, um, I mean, the way I work, the, the, the thing that I do uh, is, is, so I'm, I'm a strategist. Strategy is required if you're trying to get from a series point of A to a series point of B. And if there's a lot of stake in between, if you're not taking the right path, you need a strategy. You cannot just randomly try and dive in here. So Creativity is also a serious business and uh, you can, you know, get it completely wrong uh, if you're not taking the right strategic path. Uh, messages need to travel in the right speed, right manner. So products and uh, brands and their products and services are my vessels to make sure the right messages are delivered at the right people. So I try to be the bridge between the infinite possibilities of sometimes crazy yet clever creative solutions and the rational necessary needs. So. I work with uh, what people want, need, or desire, or get motivated by. So 
that's what I do. I navigate the research to find the insights. So, for example, one thing that I worked on, uh, and that's actually very successful in Turkey, is this digital banking initiative that we started uh, back in uh, 2009-10. And uh, so I was lucky enough to be a part of the team that built Turkey's first digital-only bank, and the bank is called Empara. Empire is still active today and is incredibly successful with more than 2 million, 2.5 million customers. And this is the bank that kind of changed the banking industry in Turkey. And the way it did that was uh, we made banking accessible for everyone. We changed how people perceived banks from these incredibly serious and up there organizations who decided everything on their own and not necessarily care about you to a peer-to-peer -peer relationship where money is very personal and it doesn't need to be that bureaucratic, that almost impossible to get, and you shouldn't shy away from you know, uh, trying to get rich or trying to get the money that you need. So we found out that branches were a hassle and also a problem uh, for the conversation, even though there were places that were built to have that conversation. So people were shy to go in and ask stuff. Some people never had the time to actually, you know, do their banking through the branches. So what we did with our model was, which was actually, you know, happening in, in England at the same time, not everywhere in the world, but these digital-only banks were appearing. So we came up with this uh, digital-only bank where there were no branches and the main targets uh, were the young professionals. And uh, with removing the branch from the equation, we were trying to make uh, this bank more profitable for them and also more friendly for them because all that investment will now go to customer appreciation and customer uh, experience. So uh, while we were doing that, we, we, we understood and we, we realized that even though we started to target the young professionals, we found that there were so many people who were not banked in the existing banking industry. And the way the banks were organized were kind of like a barrier to this whole thing. Uh, so what we created was this with this digital onboarding and when people do not need to do anything but just to hook up to a Wi-Fi to become a bank customer, we made this banking initiative accessible for women who were not working, for example, or students who were not necessarily, you know, liking the banks or even some, you know, uh, displaced people who were not necessarily a part of the system yet. So Empara became, uh, created these new banking segments as well and uh, actually made it also the target of the banks, the other banks. So the, the banking industry in Turkey changed after Empara because everybody now started doing digital onboarding and were trying to target the similar segments. So you describe yourself as a creative strategist. Can you explain what that is? What is your superpower? What is your, you know, what is your new way of thinking and doing? Um, so, um, as I just explained, like I am a creative strategist and the strategy part of it is about all about getting from A to B in, in the most possible efficient and uh, strategic way so that you're, you're considering the risks, you're trying to understand the hassles and, uh, but you can do this in a very boring way. You can do this in the very, you know, smart way, but it does not necessarily, you know, end up being desirable for the people. So. Uh, in creative methodologies, it is very important that your solutions are, yes, viable and, yes, feasible, but also desirable. So in most strategic thinking that we understand from the other industries of the world, you know, if it's viable and feasible, you're good to go. 
but in creative industries, it also needs to be desirable. So in order for, for you to be able to make your product or service or your brand desirable, you have to tap into people's emotions, not only their rational thinking. And when we're talking about emotions, you're talking about what the people need, what the people want, you know, uh, what their desires are, what, their, what, what are their pains, what are their motivations. So as a creative strategist, my job is to understand what people need and what they want and what kind of pain points they have. So I take these things and I, with the help of designers, I try to create and deliver better experiences and better propositions out into the world. And while I'm doing that, so I, I try to bring these brands and their products and services into the playground of a better society as well. Every time I'm given the brief to transform a brand or a product or a service, I see it as an opportunity to create another good society, Blair. So when I do that right, companies and their cultural formations start changing. So because when companies make certain promises to their customers through their brands or their products and services, and once they succeed in some of it, even like just delivering it, it becomes a commitment. Now, so now they have to keep up with it. So even if that success was a coincidence, uh, they either they cannot anymore, you know, afford to uh, not uh, keep the promise, uh, or, or you know, they will fail miserably. So I take them through the high road most of the time. It's more rewarding. Uh, that requires change, commitment, and a new mindset. So somebody needs to change mindsets in companies. So because they're usually the the most ignored corners of capitalism, especially if those companies are very old. So I actually take pride in sitting in those meeting rooms as someone who points in this new direction. I'm there when, you know, important decisions are being made and to come up with a formula where there's a triple win, like win, win, win. Company wins, their customers win when they get something they really need in return. And if it's well-designed in terms of experience, even better. And a collective holistic goodness win if the company is doing it in a more responsible or even a purposeful missionary way. So tell us, what's the next project you're going to be working on? Well, uh, a project that I have in mind uh, that actually, you know, uh, came to my mind uh, by meeting some of the fellows here in this program and also some of the ex-fellows of this program is... uh, uh, and a joint educational initiative that I want to uh, start uh, with my friends from this fellowship program and also other, other people that I met through this program so that we give uh, the youth on the move, the, the young people who are displaced for some reason uh, and who are lacking opportunities in terms of their future careers. So I don't buy the idea that the youth on the move with all of the disadvantages that they have are less, uh, you know, capable or, you know, less intellectual than any of us. Actually, some of them are super bright. Some of them were the best among their schools, probably. Some of them probably have these great talents. And just because they are not in their, you know, uh, habitats that they were used to, they're not given the chance to exercise this or to explore this further. So I am looking for uh, a small, uh, scalable initiative that I'd like to, you know, start with the help of maybe Yale students as well uh, to, to, you know, find these people, find these youth, uh, the best of them, if possible, and if they're willing, and start some kind of an initiative that is going to help them get their careers back in track or just, you know, initiate their careers. Whatever they're lacking in terms of skills, 
or like in terms of some educational upgrades, like do they need to learn English? Let's teach them English. Do they need to upgrade their thinking in terms of, I don't know, whatever whatever is missing in their uh, uh, formation? Let's try to give them that. And not only leave it there, but, you know, uh, wherever they are in terms of region, I want to make sure that the right companies and the right foundations are contacted and given the commitments that they will try these people as their interns and maybe as their employees. So it's not just, you know, philanthropic educational help, but also making sure that they have this chance of actually turning this into a paying, dignified job. Sounds amazing. Well, Amor, I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Amor. Thank you.